Those are just a fraction of the, the people who have served in the military amongst our three campuses. If you're not familiar with Grace Point Church, we are the Northwood campus of uh, Grace Community Church in Fremont. And we don't have the name Grace Community Church because somebody already stole that name over here in 51. So we had to change our name to Grace Point. But, um, so those are some of the, uh, the men. Uh, now, we know that women have served in the military, and we're thankful for those too, but they, they couldn't make the filming of that. So <laughs> we were talking about that in staff meeting. Uh, we're the ladies. Well, we put it out there, but they couldn't make it. It was a certain time frame that they had. And Don Alter from Grace Point was up there, so that was exciting to have him up there doing that. So um, we're, yes, we're, uh, so this is kind of a special day, baptism and, and being able to honor veterans today as well. And we're so thankful for those who have served our country, and I know sometimes, you know, we say it, and it's hard to be able to be able to show that in a, in a, a proper way, maybe. Uh, and I know that many who serve in the military they would say, well, that was my duty. It's what I'm supposed to do. And we appreciate that. We have a couple of our guys, Mark Weber and uh, Matt Muntz, who are currently serving. They're actually going to be deployed here uh, soon. And so be praying for them, and especially for Matt and Mary. Matt's father passed away last night. And um, so he flew into Detroit last night. Um, they're getting ready to deploy, and he came back here for that. And, and so he's going to be able to spend some time with his family. But um, Mark and Matt will be taken off here shortly. So be praying for them, for, um, uh, for Matt's family specifically. If you are a vet and have served in our military, whether you're a part of a Grace Point family or not, would you stand so we can honor you if you've served in the military? You can stand. There you go. So stay, stay standing. We got a, a gift for you. We got a couple of our guys who have a gift for you. Stay standing so they can get those to you. Um, it's a thousand dollars. No. <laughs> Rick's like, I could do that. Yeah. No, it is a small token of our appreciation. Um, I wish I could give you guys a thousand dollars. But again, thank you very much, those who serve. Once you get your card, you can go ahead and have a seat. And um, again, thank you very much. Let me just, uh, let me just take a moment and pray, and, and uh, pray for our vets as well as for Mark and, and um, Matt. Lord, I want to thank you again for today, and what a special day it's been. And uh, now we have an opportunity here to, to honor those who have fought for our country, who have fought for our freedom. And... Um, Lord, in spite of what some people may say, even in our own country, we have an awesome military. And these men and women who serve are just the cream of the crop. And we're so thankful for them. Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless, that you would continue to, as your word says, to provide and to protect and to fight for them as they go forward from today. And Thinking of Mark and Matt, Lord, I just pray that um, they would truly sense your presence as they head on out again to defend our country. And especially with Matt as his father's passed away, Lord, we thank you for the fact that he does, uh, he knows you, and so we know that he's in heaven with you, 
and that hope and that certainty is such a comfort. Lord, I pray that Matt and his family would truly experience your presence and your power of comforting in their lives. We pray things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're in a new series called Seven, and we're going to be spending some time in Matthew 7. It's page 963, so if you're you're going to use the Bible there in a chair um, around you. It's uh, page 963. We have a few spread out there. Otherwise, just grab your, your phone or whatever else you might use or your own Bible. Uh, we're going to gain a better understanding of some teaching that Jesus has, that he gives us that um, oftentimes is misunderstood. And if it's misunderstood, it's typically misapplied. And so we want to understand what he has to say in this, this chapter. You know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's a lot of biblical uh, or spiritual-esque, pseudo-biblical sayings out in our culture. Go on Facebook, and you'll see a meme, probably, that has that, you know, coming through on your, on your feed. We have stuff like, God won't give you more than you can handle. Sounds great, but is that biblical? God helps those who help themselves. I think that's the motto of thieves. <laughs> I'm not sure, but um, oh, hey, that's mine. God's going to help me with this. I know, you know, people scurrying out of Walmart. No, God said it's okay. God wants you to be happy. You can't love others until you learn to love yourself. Some of these, these last few, are actually stuff that we're going to look at in Matthew seven. If you have faith, God will give you what you pray for. All religions lead to God. So next week we're going to look at the whole prayer thing. A couple weeks from now we're going to look at this whole all religions lead to God. Do they? Don't they? And then today we're going to look at one of you can't judge me out of Matthew 7. It starts out in Matthew 7. People will use this and say, you can't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to silence those who want to say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. And I was thinking, you know, I could probably go ahead and you know, talk about some of the stuff going on in our culture, and, you know, we get it, right? We see it on Facebook, we see it in the news, we hear it at work, people are constantly saying, hey, you can't judge somebody for doing what they're doing or saying what they're saying. Well, and, and a lot of people say, well, even Jesus says that. Well, does he? Is that what Jesus is really saying in Matthew chapter 7? he says, do not judge. And it does seem like he's saying, you're not to be able to voice anything negative. But we're going to find that out. So, is that what Jesus is saying? Now, we've got to understand the context here. We're actually coming in on the last part of a sermon that Jesus is preaching called the Sermon on the Mount, which means he was up on a hill and he was teaching. <laughs> okay. It starts in Matthew 5, it goes to Matthew 7. It's probably one of the most famous sermons ever preached. And there is a lot in there that Jesus is talking about. But to summarize what he's getting at, he's really addressing the attitude behind those who are, um, are religious in their thinking. The religious leaders of his day, the religious people of his day. And these are the people who look at life and they say, well, as long as I'm doing the religious stuff, the rituals and traditions, which by the way, in Jesus' day, much like today, those were things that they developed, not what God had developed. 
But they were saying, well, if we do those things, then we are better off spiritually than all the other sinners around us. They believe that doing religious traditions, religious rituals, cause one to be right with God and therefore spiritually superior than everybody else. So Jesus is comparing them with who he would call his true followers, those who are truly right with God, who have the attitude of being humble and merciful, just like God is humble and merciful. Jesus is humble and merciful. So he's actually, the whole sermon from chapter 5 to chapter 7, is he's taking different areas of life and he's saying, here's how the religious people who think that they're right with God because of what they've done and they're self-righteous, how they respond. And then here's how true believers, true followers of Christ, who are to be humble and merciful, Respond. In fact, Jesus in Luke 18, he's teaching this as well, and he gives this parable. And um, so he's speaking here, and he says, he's going to show this difference in attitude. He says, A Pharisee stood and was praying to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Now, uh, for those that may not be familiar with the first century, uh, at that time, Israel was under Roman authority. And what Rome would do is they would uh, pick Jewish people who, they, who would work for Rome, and they would go get the tax from the Jewish people and give it to Rome. And they were also told, this is how much money we want that you, for you to grab, and anything else you can get, that's what you live on. So tax collectors back then were the lowest of the low. Israelites hated these people, even though they were fellow Jews. But the, the Pharisees, when they talked about people who were not as spiritually sound as they were, they called them sinners and tax collectors. So pretty, they were pretty low in their minds. I fast, so back to the Pharisee, I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful. There's that word. Be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went to his house justified. Now, this word, and some of you know this because you've been here, but justified means to declare someone not guilty. So when God, when we go to God for forgiveness of our sins, and we place our faith in Christ, the Bible says he justifies us. He declares us not guilty of our sin. And so because the tax collector came to God and said, have mercy on me, he threw himself on the mercy of God. Jesus is saying God's going to declare him not guilty of his sin. He realizes he's, he has the right attitude when he comes to God. So he went to his house justified. Rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself. So the Pharisee was not justified. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And by that he means into a relationship with Christ. So that's the context. That's the, the backdrop of what Jesus, uh, what Jesus is saying, do not judge. So I want to read these verses. It's uh, verses 1 through 6. Some kind of interesting uh, illustrations that God or Jesus throws out here for us. He says this, Do not judge... So there's those three words that everyone kind of hangs their hat on. 
But there's a lot more to this, right? So do not judge. Why? So you will not be judged. So if you want to be judged, you get flipped around, right? If you want to be judged, judge. Which is key to what I think the understanding is of this passage. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged by God, by the way. Okay? And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you by God. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your eye? You hypocrite. Ooh, you don't like that word. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Kind of interesting. Jesus calls this Christian a hypocrite. You know, a lot of people say, I don't want to go to church. It's full of hypocrites. Yep. <laughs> Jesus even said we are. So I guess we're good to go. So if anyone calls you a hypocrite, say, thank you very much. Jesus called me that. You know, um, I've been insulted by a perfect person. Do not give what is holy to dogs. Now, this is kind of unusual, and we'll explain this. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So what is Jesus saying here? What's he talking about in these verses? Well, we have to first understand what the word judge means. Okay? So in Greek... Uh, the word for judge is krino, and again, we want, to, we want to understand what the first century church understood judge to be. So it means to distinguish or to decide. It's anything from evaluating to condemning or punishing. Okay? So it, it could just mean simply evaluating something, or it could mean condemning something and punishing something, kind of like what we have uh, in the law. So, do not judge. Here's the problem. You and I can't help but judging to judge. It's impossible for people to not judge. For instance, you watch something on TV and uh, on a news report you hear somebody was, was murdered. You're like, well, that's wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. And we all agree, yeah, that's wrong. We just judged. Or somebody is driving down a street and they, they disobey the traffic laws and they, they cut you off. And you're like, that's wrong, I shouldn't do that. I can't believe it. Where's the cops? Right? I never do that, but you guys may have experienced it. <laughs> we just had elections last week. And I'm not going to ask who voted, but if you voted, you judged. You, you had a list of names... Or in some cases up here, you had one name. <laughs> okay, I guess that person's getting in. I heard uh, Jerusalem Township, uh, only 17 people or 20-some people voted in the entire township, I think is what they were saying. Anyways. Um, <laughs> anyway. So, um, but you, you have a list of people and you hear what they say and what they say they're going to do and you decide... You evaluate, you judge them and mark one and not the other. Or you go to a restaurant and you go there because maybe you like the food as opposed to somebody else's food or you like the, the cost of the food, you don't care how it tastes or, or you like the service. In other places you don't go to because you don't like the service. Speaking of service, 
all of you are judging right now as to whether you're going to come back next week. <laughs> Am I right? It's okay. I'm fine with that. I can handle it. I got, I got broad shoulders. So, the other thing, if, you, if you're familiar with the Bible, throughout the Bible, God tells us over and over and over again, judge, discern, evaluate, and then respond the way I want you to respond. Jesus, over and over and over again, in, in Matthew 5-7, through 7, just read it. It's filled with times that Jesus said, hey, discern, judge, make decisions based on what you see and what you hear. So it can't, be, it can't mean that we're to never judge. There has to be something else going on here. And there is, for those that are a little bit nervous that didn't have an answer, there is. And it all goes back to the context of Jesus comparing self-righteous, judgmental, condemning attitudes of religious people against what is supposed to be merciful, humble attitude of true followers of Christ. So he's, not, he's, he's saying, don't judge if you're going to do it with a wrong attitude or wrong purpose. See, there's a way to judge that hurts people. Get this. But there's a way to judge that heals people. And it's that that Jesus is trying to get us to understand. He's kind of coming from a negative point of view, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at, in these verses, the right attitude and the right purpose in our judging so that we will bring healing and introduce people who don't know Christ to Him. So look back at verses 1 and 2. I'm going to move this over here. So that way I'm not constantly getting in front of the, the screen. So verses 1 and 2. It says this, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. So, let me throw something out at you. So if we Christians represent Christ and do life Christ's way, if we judge with mercy and not condemnation, how will God judge us? With mercy. Who in this room does not want to have God's mercy on their life? Right? Am I right? So Jesus is not saying, don't judge. He's saying, don't judge if you don't want to be judged. Personally, I want God to judge me with mercy. So how, I know it sounds a little selfish, but it's true. I want God to judge me with mercy. If I screw up, I want God to be merciful with me. Not condemning of me. Well, one of the ways I can ensure that happening is as I look at other people's lives, and as I go through Facebook and I see what people are saying and I get on my community pages and I, I want to respond to somebody who's making some sort of crazy claim or belief, or so, I, can, I can respond with condemnation, but then God's going to respond in like kind to me. Not that He's going to condemn me in the sense of eternal judgment, because Jesus already took my condemnation, Scripture says. But He'll deal with me as a disobedient child, and as a good father, He'll discipline me in one way or another, and help me, hopefully help me see, hopefully I'm not so 
self-righteous that I don't see that He's disciplining me and I get corrected in what I'm doing. But if I judge with mercy, now I'm doing what God wants me to do. In fact, mercy is the foundation of, of God's desire and willingness to forgive us of our sins. Paul says in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, says, but God, being rich in mercy, which by the way, anytime you hear about a quality of God, God's infinite, and so therefore His quality is infinite. He's infinitely merciful. He's infinitely loving. In other words, He'll, he, he'll infinitely pour into your life to do what's best for you. Okay? Not give you everything you want. But. So, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, Prior to coming to Christ, we are spiritually dead. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Christians of all people should understand what it means to be to judge with mercy. Because God was merciful to us in our sin. You know, it wasn't Jesus didn't deal harshly with us and that drew us to him, right? And if someone does deal harshly with us, our tendency is to kind of push back and I don't want that person in my life. Well, if God dealt with us in a in a um, uh, unmerciful, unloving way, we wouldn't want anything to do with him, but it was his fat, the fact that God put on flesh and and died our sin, our eternal death and hell for us. He showed that kind of mercy to us. That's what drew us to Him. We want to judge with mercy. When we condemn, we're acting like the Pharisees. And they push people away from God. The second part of a right attitude is to judge with humility and not arrogance. Jesus uses an interesting illustration here in the next verses in 3 and 4. He says, Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do you not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? I don't know about you guys, I have a cartoon brain. I grew up on Bugs Bunny. And uh, I'm, I'm picturing this. You know, Elmer Fudd with a log, you know, trying to help Bugs Bunny out. I mean, you know, it just doesn't... Okay, a couple of you guys have a good mind. The rest of you guys are going, I don't quite understand that. And I don't hear the, um, the music in the background when you're talking about Bugs Bunny. The log that he's talking about there is that self-righteous attitude of a person who's wrapped up in religion and who thinks that they're better than everybody else. The log that he's talking about there is being blind to your own sinfulness, thinking that you're either sinless or your sin isn't as bad as somebody else's. From Jesus' perspective, the sin a Christian commits by being self-righteous is far worse and far more dangerous than the speck, the sin, that the one you're judging may have committed. I'm not saying that the person necessarily committed but according to the spec, there might be some sin involved because if you've ever had a speck in your eye, that hurts, right? 
But what Jesus is doing here, he's trying to give us a, a picture that a person walking around with a log in their eye, that is far more dangerous to himself and to anybody else standing in his way. And so a Christian who's going to walk around with a self-righteous attitude, judging and condemning people harshly, is going to cause far more damage than the other person has a little speck in his eye. That's his point in making, that he's making here in these verses. And so we need, to, we need to be humble. We need to not be arrogant. Now I get it. Sin is sin, right? We, we understand that. But the, the sin that a Christian who understands they've been forgiven of their sins, not by anything they've done, but because of what Christ has done, who stands in condemnation of other people, will do far more damage in this world than a person who's not a follower of Christ, for instance, or a follower of Christ, but they kind of get it. It's a speck in their eye. Again, the Pharisees wounded people left and right, judged people, called them names because they were looking at their, their selves and their religion and their following of everything. I mean, if you go to Matthew chapter 5, we won't do that this morning. You can spend time this week reading through it. But Jesus gets the heart of the matter, the attitude, on, on a bunch of these different sins that the Pharisees were like, well, I, I've never killed anybody. Well, Jesus is saying, okay, maybe you didn't. But did you hate somebody? Did you call somebody an idiot? Because the same person who can call somebody an idiot, that anger that's in their heart can evolve into murder. Or the, the Pharisees are like, well, I've never committed adultery. Yeah, but have you, have you lusted after somebody? You know, have you know, guys, we kind of lust after women in a certain way, and ladies, you lust after men in a certain way. And so women don't have an out on this. Oftentimes we hear guys, bastards busting on, on men, and it is a bad thing. But women, you know, we look at the physical. Women, you look at more of the emotional side, and you think about what the perfect man is, and that your husband's not that perfect. And, you, and if only your husband could do this, this, and this, like this person, and then you start thinking about, wow, it would be great to be with that person. Same difference, people. So the Pharisees are like, well, I've never committed adultery. Jesus gets to the heart of the matter, to the attitude, and says, okay, but have you lusted after somebody? Have you desired somebody that wasn't your own, your own spouse? Well, that's what we as Christians or Christ followers are to do. Not only are we to judge with the right attitude, mercifully, mercifully, humbly, but to judge with the right purpose, to help people heal through experiencing Jesus personally through us initially. That's what he's saying here in verses 5 and 6. Again, kind of a, people have debated what this means and why he put it where he put it. Um, but, and again, I'm, so I'm, you know, I'm throwing this out. I think this is what this means. It says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So it sounds like Jesus is saying, okay, so if you are going to judge, and you're going to judge humbly and mercifully, then do something 
to help your brother who apparently has sinned. Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine. What? Or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. There's some mean pigs right there. That's all I'm saying. Tough swine right there. So I'm going to use the third point as our takeaway. Every week we, uh, we do what I call takeaways, and it's just some practical ways of bringing what we're talking about into our lives. So when we wake up Monday morning, we have some action steps that we can take. But if you're going to judge, then judge with the right attitude. Judge mercifully. Judge humbly. And then for the right purpose, to help people heal through experiencing Jesus personally. And it starts, they experience Him first through us, by putting these three things into play in your life. First one's this. Remove the log from your eye. <laughs> so as Christians, we need to continually confess our self-righteousness because we, we can't help it. We're human. You know, if people think, well, you, kind of, you, know, you Christians, you guys are really screwed up. Yeah, we are. We're just sinners who happen to believe that Jesus has forgiven us of our sins based on placing our faith in Jesus Christ, because that's what God said in the Bible. And so we, we believe that, we trust that, and so then he says, okay, now that you're my child, and you're adopted into my family, and you have God the Holy Spirit in your life, I want you to live life in such a way that you represent me. We're not perfect. We won't be until we get to heaven. And, and I would encourage you who have not placed your faith in Christ, Place your faith in Christ, join us, and watch the struggle. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy being a Christian in this world. Because what God calls us to do is oftentimes completely opposite than the rest of the world. But it's for our best, he says. And also, because then people are going to be like, what in the world's with you? Why are you acting the way you're doing? Why are you living the way you're living? And we can tell them about who Jesus Christ is and the forgiveness he has for them. But we've got to continually confess our self-righteousness. We're always thinking we're better than somebody. Am I right? I mean, I know there's some people that are better than me, but then there's sometimes I look at them, man, I am definitely better than them. You know, we've got to constantly confess that in our own lives and be aware of our own sin and that we're not perfect. And God's forgiven us of that sin, not based on anything we've done, but based on what Jesus Christ had done. Secondly, the person that we're judging, the person that we're evaluating, the person that we're concerned about, we need to give them what is holy and give them pearls. Now, what's he talking about there? I believe what he's talking about there, holy means to uh, set something aside for God's purpose. And so, I, I believe what he's saying here is, if we see somebody who we're concerned about, let's give them God's word. Let's understand what God has to say about what they're dealing with, and let's give them that. Give them what's holy. Don't give them your opinion. People don't want to know my opinion. They they don't want to know what I think they should do. And believe me, you don't want my opinion or what I think you should do. You want to know what God's opinion is, what God thinks you should do. And so we need to be aware of what God says in His Word. We need to be reading His Word, studying His Word, having it, you know, maybe in our, as my wife calls, a tool belt, so we can pull it out when we need it, when we're at work or whatever. And then the pearls. What are the pearls? Well, Matthew talks about the gospel being a pearl of great price. And so I think what he's saying here is, 
when we give them God's Word, we need to be giving them the Gospel. Through our actions, through our words, we need to be showing them and telling them who Jesus Christ is and what He's done for us and the relationship we have with God now because of Jesus Christ. And so with that, that takes time. That's not something that you do on a Facebook thread. Okay? Somebody throws something up on Facebook and you're like, what? Number one, if it's, not, if it's contrary to Scripture, Christians, I would really highly encourage you to not like it. You, know, you can do a like. Because then people are going to see that and go, well, wait a second, they're a Christian. I thought they, that wasn't, I'm, I'm confused. I would also suggest that you don't put a little meanie face on that. I'm on Facebook a lot um, for work. Come on, people. Jeez. I wouldn't waste time on Facebook at night. I'm on the community pages, and I'm loving it. It's so much fun. Anybody see Mike's dogs? You know, if you guys are not on community pages, they're really fun to be on. Anyways, um, yeah, Christians, when you're seeing things on Facebook, don't be liking things that are contrary to Scripture, but then those also put a little meanie face, not liking it. And if it's really a concern for you, I would suggest meeting with that person in person with some coffee and develop a relationship with them a relationship of trust where you're demonstrating that you're merciful, that you're humble, and introduce Jesus Christ into the equation. It takes time to do that. But we have to be able to take that time and not blow up Facebook or whatever else that people might do as Christians. And then the third thing, expect pushback. This is the, this is the pigs turning on you and tearing you apart. We we got to be discerning. We got to judge whether once we had that conversation with the person, we got to judge whether can that person take more of this or not. Because some people don't want to. They want. They don't care what you think. They don't care what God thinks. And so that we got to be aware of that. We give it to those who will take it, and those who don't, we just take a t- step back, and we just. Pray for them, encourage them, stay connected to them. Because at some point, Lord willing, they're going to get to a point in their life where they're going to go, this isn't working for me. And you know what? So-and-so, they were always real kind to me. They always seemed to respect my beliefs. And Well, things are kind of messed up in my life. I'm going to go see what they might think. But this is something that you got to be patient with and you got to be praying for that person and developing the relationship. So we remove the log, we apply God's truth to their life, and then as we expect pushback or receive pushback, we just continue to be patient, continue to pray for them, and be there for them for when things go crazy in their life. Sound good? On board? Ready to do this? All right, let's go ahead and stand. We're going to close in prayer. Um, Next week, we're going to be looking at this whole issue. Um, 
Jesus says, ask and the door, or asking you should receive, knock, the door should be open. You know, what does that mean? And when I'm praying, do I, will I get everything I pray for? I mean, I've been praying for a 72 vet for, you know, since I was 15. I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I see it driving down the road. I'm like, hey, my car, you know. <laughs> 